Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast, where we discuss art, life, and the philosophy behind both. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. Join me as I interview creatives of all kinds as we explore inspiration, process, and results of creative pursuits. My intention is for you, the listener, to get as much inspiration from this podcast as I do. Now let's dive into this concept we call creativity. Hello, my friends. This is Taylor G here on the Art and Life podcast. Today on the episode, I have a good friend of mine. He goes by the name of Striker One. So Striker One served in the Air Force and was generally associated with the Air Force for almost 40 years uh, as actual military service and then as a uh, contractor with the military. So He's had an inside track on a lot of different things. His main areas of focus were analyzation and contingency plans, which I feel like are uh, really timely right now. And you know, I, I listen to podcasts all the time, and and I've found myself really drawn to ones that are are talking about what's happening right now um, in the world, in our experience of COVID nineteen and what's happening on the bigger scale. And so I wanted that to happen on the Art and Life podcast as well. Uh, so we're, we're talking about the art of leadership, of analyzation, of contingencies, of uh, you know, the connectedness of the globe. We, get, we, we go all over the place here. And uh, Striker One and I, we see each other occasionally, and we always have these amazing conversations. And they go all over the place. So I wanted to share that with you. So um, if you haven't already, definitely please subscribe to the podcast. Um, We're starting to build a little bit of energy around this. We're starting to build a little bit of following. And it's exciting for me. And I'm getting a ton out of these podcasts. I hope you are too. Um, I've actually listened to them a couple times while I'm doing my painting and I love it. And uh, that's the idea. I want this to be an inspiration for creatives of all kinds um, and really show the the creative essence, the creative spirit that runs across all disciplines throughout all people in every different language. There's this creative spark that is one of those things that makes us uniquely human. So all that being said, uh, I hope that you enjoy this podcast interview with Striker One. Here we go. All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos, and I'm here with Striker One, and we're about to have a really quality conversation. Striker One, thank you for being here with me. My pleasure. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell the people a little bit about yourself? Well, you know, I grew up in uh, southwest Georgia. Um, it's in the news these days in a little small town uh, right above the Florida panhandle. Went to school there, grew up there, grew up on a farm, and uh, joined the Air Force when I was about 17 years old and basically stayed in the Air Force for about maybe 30 years or so and also was a federal government employee. And here I am today talking with you. So you and I have crossed paths many times. And the reason that I wanted to have you on the podcast is because from the first conversation that you and I had, um, we took it into just this like philosophical place. You obviously are a very deep thinker. And, and like we connected on that level. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's all about um, diving deeper into the the art of philosophy and and thinking and analyzation and and that's where your background is. You spent thirty something years in the Air Force. You retired from the Air Force. You like tell us a little bit about that experience. Well, you know, I always wanted to be in the Air Force. So I joined when I was seventeen. My parents had to sign me in because I was a minor. And uh, my Air Force experience was um, going overseas 
playing basketball the first couple of years I was in the Air Force, which was great. I was still a teenager, so that was kind of fun traveling around Europe. But um, it progressed to a level where uh, I ended up getting a, a job working for the Air Force and being in the Air Force Reserve and active duty, uh, being an, a, a readiness manager, which was an analyst. So um, that was, a, I traveled all over the world, met a lot of people, uh, went all to Central and South America, but uh, it was a, just a great experience just to get to know how people live, understand their culture, and see how the government system, not just the military, but see how a system actually worked with all its um, mechanisms and isms and all the other things that go on that, you know, regular everyday people don't get a chance to experience. Yeah. Um, go. Okay. So the, the art of analyzation is something that you and I have talked a little bit about and that part really intrigues me. Like that was one thing that you specialized in and focused on was the art of analyzation and, and taking that into the level of like contingencies, like what what were you analyzing and, and how would you explain the art of analyzation? Well, I'll, I'll put it this way. Uh, analyzing is the ability to look at multiple subjects or subject matter and dig deep into them and find, you know, get an expertise in each one of them. Not in-depth expertise, but enough knowledge to be able to put the puzzle together. So uh, in my experience as a readiness manager, analyst, I was responsible for like 200 odd people in a civil, civil engineering organization where we had weapons, we had ammo, we had uh, capabilities to run cities. You know, um, we're always planned for the future peacetime, wartime, having a familiarity with what each person did from a, um, say for instance, an engineer, electrical engineer, or a uh, mechanical engineer, or someone who worked in power production. I was the basically at the top of the heap uh, responsible for ensuring that all of these different pieces work together, you know, to include, you know, the training aspect of it, the financial budgeting aspect of it and doing the projections forward to uh, ensure that the resources as we're looking at today as a contingency purposes should be available at any given time. So, you know, kind of like looking forward with an anticipation of something may happen and what do you need to have or what type of people you need to have with certain skills and skill levels to rapidly and expeditiously function you know as we look at today's situation that's what's not happening we don't have enough people uh we don't have the leadership if you will in my opinion to plan i'm not saying just the guy at the very top you know it takes everybody around that individual to have the knowledge and uh expertise to understand how to project forward you know we're even in our lives we project forward what are we going to do tomorrow we're going to do next week where we're going to vacation but it's the ability to think deeply about all aspects of an operation and be operational and have wisdom and insight into the what ifs see i was i call myself a what if guy what if this happened what would i do what if what if that happened? Who would I call? What resources do I need to have available in this very, very, very complex situation that we're watching right now with the coronavirus? We, first of all, preparation wasn't there. So it starts at the top and then it trickles all the way down. But in the hierarchy, everybody who are in positions of leadership it's the difference between uh, having a title as a leader and functioning as a leader. So uh, those things are very important in the development of leaders to be able to answer the questions or provide the resources or have them readily available to support, you know, the general public 
will you will you break that down a little bit for us like the difference between the title of a leader and the actions of a leader okay well leadership leader as i said is a title it's a designation but leadership requires you to make decisions for the whole and not just make decisions as an individual but to surround yourself with you know experts or individuals who are uh, experts in their field of study. It could be anything. It could be someone that's uh, a medical perspective. You know, you need that um, input. You need the economic input. You need the engineering input. You need all this input collectively with these individuals giving you the advice you need. Coming up, not giving you yes, being the yes man or the yes person, they're giving you hard, cold facts that you have to consider as you make decisions going forward. So it's just, it's about having an insight or wisdom of multiple faceted things in order to be able to make decisions that are going to be beneficial to the whole. So it requires a lot of uh, in-depth knowledge of specific areas uh, of expertise but having the right people see leaders are not made by themselves alone it's the people around them that make them the great leaders and leaders have to trust the people who are there with them and they have to be able to communicate as you as you've heard speak truth to power a wise leader who is exercising leadership knows that because he or she wants to make the best decision with the, from the best possible individuals who are excellent in what they do. And we can't always get it right, but if we can get it close, you know, just like playing marbles or any other game, like playing golf, just get it close to the hole, you're okay. You know, you might be able to put it in later. But that's what it takes when there's a leader. A leader stands and takes responsibility for whatever goes right or whatever goes wrong. And leadership is the ability to bring people together, regardless of who they are, where they're from, what culture they may be uh, associated with, bring them together in a consensus type of way to move forward toward a, a group goal, which is always, in my mind, success. Success, most importantly. Absolutely. So, and then, okay, to be a little more personal, um, you mentioned that when you were, like, right off the bat, you were sort of pulled from the group, even when you were, like, 17, 18, you were pulled from the group saying, like, okay, you show leadership qualities. Um, Talk a little bit about that. Okay, well, my leadership journey, I'll, I'll, I'll go back when I was a little child, it, it started early. I uh, started high school, I started school, excuse me, when I was four years old, started school, first grade, you know, told my mom, hey, look, I'm ready to do this. So I started the first grade at four years old, ended up 12 years later, 16 years old. Through my journey through high school, I uh, captain of a basketball team, president of my senior class, uh, drum major of the high school band, you know, that was my first experiment or experience with leadership. You know, then on into the uh, military, when I joined, I was 17 years old. I was just wanted to be part of the group. But the technical instructor, as we call him in the Air Force, pointed me out, brought me into his uh, office and said to me, uh, Trice, Airman Trice, you seem to have, you know, some leadership uh, capabilities that I need to use. So it was just a progressive thing from that that point forward where I learned from mentors. I paid attention. You know, I went to college, uh, got, you know, a master's degree and a few other degrees and uh, just learned from some, some great people who were my mentors who helped me along the way to help me form my ability to 
not just look at just the issue. It was people. So when you have people, lives in your hand, and they're looking to you, not only just the person who's there working on the team, but their family. So you take it personal because leaders have to have compassion and they have to have love in their heart for what they do also. And the people must be able to look to them, to trust them, to respect them, and to follow whatever direction they're given given to move forward. So it's, it's just a monumental thing that you have to work on over time. And uh, some people want to be leaders, but if you want to be a great leader or a good leader, you must be willing to listen. You must learn how to communicate with your people based on not just what your perception of it is, it's based on the group whole, what it is that makes it work, that makes that group work well together and uh, give it the attention it needs and uh, delegate to individuals who have leadership skills. And that's another thing you have to have is talent management, you know, looking for that next person. Well, I'll call it succession management, looking to find out those individuals who are capable of bringing individuals together toward one collective goal. What what would you say, what would your response be in terms of the balance between the ego and humility? Oh, wow. Where does that sit with leadership? Well, you, you know, I don't think ego ego is is something difficult to even explain sometimes when it comes to leadership uh humility is most important i believe in any leader because your ego can make you start to believe or think that you know more than someone else does or you know just because of the title the title doesn't instantaneously make you just this great person with wonderful ideas or solutions and so forth but humility gives you the opportunity and affords you the opportunity to learn from others to reflect on what they've said to you and to ponder on these things that these people are telling you only if you trust them you know uh, as advisors to you so I think humility I'm going to rank it number one you know ego I like it like number 10. Yep. You still there? Yes. I'm still here. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. And then also I'm wondering, um, do you feel, okay. So like I just got a pump. And there's this element of like being the alpha, but also being um, like caring and gentle. And then there's also the concept of nature versus nurture in terms of leadership. Like where, how do you feel about those? Those things? things are very important, nature versus nurture, but you still have to be firm. There's going to come a time when, you know, the nice talk, I'll say it's nice talk, more calm speaking may not be appropriate. It may be uh, you have to use a firm voice in order to get a response that's necessary in order to save a life, move something forward. You know, uh, that's very important on both sides of this when it comes to the nature and the nurture of it all. And as beings created, uh, we respond. You know, we respond both ways. We respond to kindness, and respond to meanness also in this particular way. But as you get the balance between the personality or how someone or something is, you learn, they learn about you and you learn about them. And that's that wisdom part about it. That's that unknown sense, you know, beyond the senses we have where we elevate ourselves to the next level of awareness, you know, and uh, it just it's just that feeling and that way that you develop over time uh, dealing with people, dealing with resources, dealing with circumstances, good and bad, 
but you know, you have to balance it out. It's a it's a balancing act. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I definitely feel that balancing act. I used to coach soccer, and I would I would experience that with with people and players, and and everybody's got their own wisdom to them. Even if you are the leadership in the leadership role, the person that you're dealing with they come to the table with different levels of expertise and things. And to think that you as the leader know everything definitely um, sort of puts you in the wrong place. Right. You know, I was a coach also. So um, military leader, civil service leader, and a coach. I coach basketball. So what I learned about that part of it is as a coach, First of all, I wanted to have fun myself. Okay, that's that selfish part of me. I wanted to have fun also, knowing I couldn't get on the court and play, but I wanted the enthusiasm and the motivation that I felt to transcend from me over to my players and for them to really get the message, you know, listen, get the message. But I found out that if you have an orderly process where you have a process of the functionality of it is the diversity of it, but you still reach the same goal in the end and everyone buys in. Everyone buys into that leader's, you know, motivation. They buy into the goals of the uh, team and they buy into the captain of the team. You have, you know, leaders have to have a keen eye for different personality traits and they have to use sometimes have to be firm firm in you know their direction of specifically what they need to do you know uh that's very important you know it's it's no um special way to do it it's just that it's a it's a it's over time you develop if you're working on yourself and developing who you are to be a better leader by understanding you must have someone to lead if you want to call yourself a leader. And leadership requires all the other things, you know, the compassion, the humility, the decision-making, the firmness, you know, your conviction, your motivation, your ability to bring people together toward a common goal and for them to work together continually toward the goal. And everyone, everyone uh, gets rewarded for accomplishing that, that particular goal. How much do you think that leadership, the art of leadership resides within the betterment of oneself? Well, you know, everyone doesn't want to uh, step out to be criticized. You know, if you take on a leadership position, it requires you to step up to be criticized for the right and the wrong or this decision or that decision, but it takes courage. Leadership is not for the faint of heart. You must be willing. You must be able to be a good planner. You plan for the unforeseen. Things may not go right, but you can recover quickly. Most people uh, would shy away from something like that because leaders are rare people. They're very, very rare. And the good ones you know, and and people talk about them all the time. You have the mediocre ones, and you have some that shouldn't even be in a position of responsibility over anything. So it's about what the individual is willing to take responsibility for and to stand up for. Because you're standing up for something, you're out there. It's like being alone on an island. You know, you got to forage for your own food. You got to do all of this, you know. But leadership requires a whole bunch of uh, sacrifice, first of all, and uh, criticism if you can handle it. But if you can, you learn from criticism. You learn from successes. So leaders learn from everything So because they're developing themselves for the next higher level of leadership and responsibility as they move up. They become wiser at the lower level and as they move up to each level, they get more information and how to deal with others and how they make decisions themselves.
That makes sense to you, my friend? It does. <laughs> it does, and it's funny because it makes me think, like, when I coached, I coached the Colorado State men's soccer wow. team. Uh, and I was I was really young at that point. I was, like, 24, 25, and I was coaching guys that were 18 to 23. Right. And I just – I mean, looking back on it now, I was not self-disciplined enough. I was not in the right. I, I just, I didn't have myself together in the way that I wish that I, like, I wish I could go back right now and do the same job that I did then. Um, I did my best, but I just see that there's like, there's so much to it to, to lead a group of people in anything. Again, so much comes in down to like yourself. And are you walking right. the walk? It, it it can't you cannot just like talk the talk and then not be doing those those practices yourself well that's what it boils down to you know uh you have to establish certain principles and practices and habits and so forth in order to say hey look this is what it takes to be a leader you know you can say it but you got to do it you know you got to you basically be an example you know, leading by example. You've heard that before. You know, uh, mm -hmm. no one's perfect and, and leadership is not perfect, but you can get pretty close to the 90s. You know what I mean? You know, you can you can really, really, really get there if you're willing to open up that mind's eye and your awareness quotient. You know, I'm trying to really get way up there as far as what's going on around you. And, and it's kind of like, you become part of it, you know, like the soccer ball or I was a basketball coach, you know, I became part of the basketball and that, like a soccer coach, you become part of that team and each, each and every person, you know, what motivates one, the other together, what makes them excited, you know, and when you say something to them, you know, that that word or that phrase or that comment that you say to that one player, they're really going to get them fired up. See, that's the human nature side of leadership, too, that you have to know, get to know the people and what they can do and where they fit best to help them become successful in a certain area. You know, in, in basketball, for example, everybody doesn't shoot free throws very well, and it's the calmest place to be, but there's a lot of pressure there. So you have to use other tools and techniques of meditation, if you will, or certain mantras, if you will, that you tell players, that's what I would do. I would say, say this over and over again, over and over again, concentrate and you'll be great. You know, up and mm. over, up and over, up and over, up and over. Just, just little phrases that would ring in their mind and I would repeat them over and over to them and encourage them to do it. And if they did it, and they concentrated on it, it was actually work. You know, it takes a lot of different things with different personalities. The strong personalities, you have to be strong with them. You know, you have to be strong, and then you have to be soft also with those types of personalities because you never know why a person or individual is being that particular way, uh, what has happened in their lives. So it's just a balancing act between who you are and what it is that you want to bring out in others and what you're trying to learn yourself from others. I really like that. And I really like the part. Okay. So I, I've really dove into meditation over the last, like, I don't know, five or six years. But at first I was very, uh, I was very not into it and it felt woo woo and weird to right. me. Um, but I like what you're saying in terms of, like a mantra of just saying like up and over, up and over. That's got like kind of a soothing element mm -hmm. to it. And, and when I explain meditation to people who have never done it, really what I just focus on is the element of slowing down your heart rate by, by controlled use of your breath. Is that, is that kind of your perspective on it or what's, what's your perspective? Exactly. On that? You know, it's, um, it just being in a very, peaceful calm state devoid of any intermittent interruptions you have a clear channel 
to self and a clear channel to the higher being you want to become. You know, every, you know, every day I've written up about 21 different thoughts for meditation. And uh, one of them is listen, hearing the message clearly. Listen, hearing the message clearly. That's to slow yourself down and be patient and listen attentively to whatever you're being told or whatever you're reading or whatever messages are coming in. It could be, could be a dream, you know, and you're wondering what it means, but you have to meditate on it. And you have to go into deep thought about it in order to maybe figure out what it, what it's saying to you. You know, we are a higher, more powerful being. So we do have abilities that we have to develop. So meditation is a good way to connect with yourself and your higher self to uh, elevate yourself to the next level, you know, of understanding and uh, peace, really. Do you have, okay, so these times right now are really stressful. We've got the, I mean, this is the craziest time that anyone who's alive has really dealt with. Do you have any sort of a suggestion for people as like ways to help calm them down if they feel any sort of stress going on? Well, I'll put it this way. The choices are limited. And the choice that you have is to be still. And being still and, and, and being self-reflecting on who you are and where you want to be after this happens. That's what you have to think. That's the contingency plan. What do I do now? What do I prepare for now into the future to overcome this? So I just recommend that people look beyond now and do all the things that are necessary in order to survive. You know, because in the military, no matter where you went to or what you were uh, subjected to, may ha- may have been a virus. So I was down in an area in Honduras several years ago, many years ago, where malaria was pre- prevalent. You have to prepare before you go, know before you go, and act accordingly when you get into that particular environment. It is like automatic transformation into the transitioning into a new environment. You can't do what you did yesterday, today, because it may cost you your life and someone else's life. So you have to really, really be conscious and aware of what's happening and follow the facts, as they say. They will tell you and show you where it leads to. If you don't follow the directions that you're given, you'll end up in a bad place. But if you do, you may end up surviving, which is your contingency plan. That is the contingency plan to make it over the hump, make it over to the next uh, place that you're trying to get to, which is staying alive. Now, so we've talked a little bit of about contingency plans so contingency why don't you explain what that the definition of a contingency plan is and how that worked for you while you were in the service and what that looks like in the bigger picture of what's going you on know, today contingency is just what it is what if something happens let's use a simple one if what if i don't have uh automobile insurance hmm you have to have or you should have automobile insurance because if you wreck your car, you harm somebody else, you're going to have a big problem. So contingency planning is the ability to start at point A and project. Contingency is to project out beyond your present situation and to see what could happen based on scenarios. Now, you have to keep up with 
current events, things that are happening based on the environment you're working in or the type of work you're doing in. It requires a lot of research and a lot of time reading about all these different things that could happen and being prepared. You know, it's like, hey, uh, if if I know that the lights are going out, they, they warn me that they're going out, what am I going to do? Oh, I need to get a flashlight. Oh, I need to have my contingency plan is to do this or that. So planning for contingencies is a regular everyday thing in life. You know, um, planning to go to the grocery store. I don't have any food. You know, I need this. I need that. So life is a big contingency. And it will always be a contingency, you know, because we're, we're trying to get to the next day, to the next level, or to the next place that we want to be, even in a relationship. We, we have to plan for the good. We have to plan for the not so good. But it, it requires practice, like everything does. If you don't practice it, you won't get good at it. But in the case of the situation that's going on now, I could say after spending close to 40 years working in the governmental system, I would say, working as a military member and as a civilian, as a government employee, and um, these things were already in place. They had people like me doing these emergency-type operations and many other people. But you have to have the resources. You can't cut out things when they're needed. But you have to be a leader who has vision to see that things that are in place can be improved upon and not eliminated because we live in this global environment now where things rapidly get from point A to point B as we see today. So if you, if you do not have the knowledge, the expertise, or the people around you willing to speak to you, meaning speak truth to power, you can make some bad decisions that affect large populations of people. So a leader has to have that humility, as we talked about, and should have the right people with the right knowledge at the right time to do what's necessary to save people's lives. And that's the bottom line. No matter what, save a life, save a life. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's really powerful and it it definitely hits really deep right now as we're watching things disintegrate all around us. And I mean, it, it's it's unfortunate because the contingency plans basically haven't been followed or haven't been set up well mm -hmm. uh, for our country. Um, and so then we're like when the contingency plan, plan falls apart, then, then well, we're, this, what are you this left is what with? I'll say. If plans are already in place, this is a succession planning process. You know, just because there's a new CEO that takes over the company, these plans that are already in place in a more broader sense are either to be improved upon, made better, eliminated and put something in that particular place. But you can't leave that big hole there when you as a leader the senior person with all the decision-making power, you know, you make a decision to eliminate something or someone tells you to do it and you do it, you can't blame someone. And I, I, would, I would say that there were plans in place that were put in place by people who had the information available at that particular time who knew who knew that many years down the line, something of this magnitude would happen. But if your ego, we're back to ego now, gets overran by, your, by you, the person who you are, and you all knowing, you make poor decisions, and you put people around you who are afraid to tell you you're wrong. Being wrong is sometimes the best answer or the best way to learn. Being wrong is nothing wrong with being wrong, but once you get in a position 
where it's the it's for the lives of many, the survival of many. You must be able to ponder, meditate, and do whatever it is it takes for you to know that you're making the best decision without being a bully, without having little temper tantrums. You know, it's a real thing. And people expect that from you as a leader. They expect you to give that high level of thinking, make those decisions that's going to benefit everyone, not just some, but everyone, because people really rely on it. And it's a higher level of being and thinking and acting and responding, you know, when you when we say we did have the contingency pieces together, but if you tear it apart, it's easy to say it wasn't there, but it was there. It's a record. It was there. I'll put it that way. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Um Yeah. Uh I can I, I feel add what you're saying else right to there. That? Well, you know, Absolutely. the military is an expeditionary force. Every branch of it. I work for the Air Force. I've worked for meaning they're what does ready that mean? to go at a moment's notice. They they're packed, ready yep. to go with resources, supplies, all the capabilities, training, you know, equipment, you name it. It's available. They're expeditionary. And um but the general public you know, Q public, as we call it, Q public may not have been told or exposed or trained or given this information for them to prepare. So it's unfortunate being in a situation in this world now where being prepared is very important that the general public from an early age, you know, if we look back at World War II and those particular times, they were they would practice air raids where the children in school would get under their desks and so forth and so on, right? In other countries, you know, they have uh, shelters and uh, stuff already pre-positioned, as we call it in the military terms. It's already there just in case something happens, you know. But our public in America seems like they haven't gotten the memo, for lack of a better word, that these things are too late to respond to once they get to the television set on the news. This, we live in a global environment where we have the capabilities through the internet, we have the capabilities through television, we have the capabilities through all these different tools, podcasting, uh, Facebooking, Instagram, but we have to be focused and people have to be educated and be willing to listen and learn about how this global situation has come upon the United States of America right now and things spread quickly. We just need to be taught these things going forward. We just can't make it be just a news story or a quick soundbite or Instagram post. This is real. And you have to be prepared and ready to do what you need to do in these types of situations. And in the military, we call it a contingency operation, which we move at a, at a very expeditious state. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep, absolutely. And uh, we, we as a public, we as, we just, the humans haven't had to deal with that sort of a situation it, really since the Cold War, it sounds like. And so our like the American public wasn't ready for that. And and I mean, to me, it feels like we have received mixed messages from the leadership of the country. So then half the country is going one way and well, half the country is going another. Well, that seems to be changing today, huh? See, when you when you have uh, <laughs> when you have poor leadership, right, you get poor direction. Does that make sense? If you get good leadership, yes. <laughs> you get good direction. You know, it's not, I'll go back to my term, maybe repeating myself. A title is just only a, is just a title. But leadership requires action. It requires you to do something 
requires you to act. It requires you to bring people together. It requires you to be compassionate, understanding, and even loving toward situations because you're only human and it's a tough job. But you have to know something about a multitude of different areas of responsibility because it's society we're dealing with. We're not just dealing with the financial side. We're dealing with the medical. We're dealing with the educational. We're dealing with the environmental. We're dealing with, you know, uh, the logistical side. We're dealing with the emergency side. We're dealing with the food, you know, side, the medical, uh, pharmaceutical side. It's a lot of different areas of knowledge that you have to have a general knowledge of and have the experts who can put it in plain language to you so that you will be able to understand it well enough to speak on it and be able to make decisions if you're in that position to make the decision or have people in the positions as over those departments that you trust, keyword trust, to make the best decisions for the overall public, which is the general population of this country or any other nation, you know. So that's very important. Absolutely. Um, this is this has been awesome already. Um, I do want to, and I, and I thank you for what you've already brought to the table. Um, I do want to switch gears and go towards this one thing that you said the other night when we were hanging out. We had a drink together and we were chatting, and you were enlightening me, <laughs> enlightening me as you often do, and. Uh, but you mentioned something about the perspective that you have gained about humanity and cultures from your travels, from your time in the military that that has given you a, a unique perspective about similarities between people and things like that. Yeah. Do you remember us you know, talking about that? Yeah. Well, talk about that for a second. I've always been interested in all people. So I got an opportunity to travel. So whenever I went to, say, France, I immersed myself in their culture, uh, their language, uh, their food, you know, just the community. I, I felt at home. But you have to be comfortable as a individual to be able to do this, you know, because all people need food water air shelter it's all the same you know it may be in a different language they need love you know they they want companionship they want safety and security you know what i mean so these things that i looked at as each and every place that i went to even when i was down in central america down in honduras um it's all the same but Sometimes we don't understand that others are just like us. They have mothers, they have fathers, they have sisters, they have brothers. You know, they want to smile. You know, they want to be loved. They want all the things that everybody else, you know, needs or wants in this life. You know, so sometimes being so far removed in the United States of America, if you will, for an example, we had a tendency to believe for a very long period of time that it was happening over there, if you know what I mean, my friend. It's not, it could never happen to mm -hmm. us because it's way over there. But those boundaries are no longer there. You know, those barriers are no longer there. So we have to be conscious that everything that everybody else gets, everything that everybody else is uh, made aware of, if you will, it's quick and it's fast. You know, things have changed. You know, you heard the, the term, the new world order. Take a good yes. look at it. You're looking at it right now. And, and in, the, in this change situation that we're in, this change management, because that's where we are, we're in change management, situation we have to have a person 
who is capable of understanding these very, very, very sensitive situations globally, not locally, but globally, how things have changed in other countries and other places versus 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's not the same. Look at, you know, China. They joined the World Trade Organization in the 1990s. Look at their economy. Look how the growth in, in, in wealth and so forth. You know, uh, things have changed in a very short period of time. And Americans, I believe, need to wake up to the reality that we're not in some kind of cocoon or in some kind of uh, bubble here where nothing can penetrate. That is all over, in my belief. Here we are in the 21st century with 21st century issues that the 21st century American is not prepared for. That makes sense to you, my friend? It does. And, and one thing that I've been thinking throughout the whole progression of what's going on is that, you know, if you look at a team, say a basketball team or a soccer team, um, on the on the court or on the field, a team really is only as strong as their weakest link. And I feel like this situation is is showing and highlighting the connection between yeah. our global community. And it's going to really show the weakness in the format of having first right. world, second world, third world, because the third world is a weak link. And like, if you look at New York City, the way that the hospitals are breaking down there and what happened in China, like what's going to happen in the third world, you know? And then when when things really hit and run through the third world, it's going to come back to the first world. And and it's like we're only we're all so connected. And to think that we're not connected is just like not planning yeah. for the so contingency, if, really. If, if I were doing an evaluation objectively. If we looked at how we're responding as a first world nation and there are some third world and second world nations, if we want to categorize them that way, that responded a heck of a lot better than we have. Right? You have Korea, South Korea, for instance. It, and, you know, every most countries have a different type of governmental system, but if you see the example, if you see the example of what they did with a warning, a very short window of opportunity to do something, but they were ready to do it because I'm going to tell you why. They are manufacturing things. They are countries that are making things daily and constantly, just like over in China, a manufacturing giant. They create everything that we wear, everything that, it, mostly everything we have. We don't have that, we don't have that capability. We have the capabilities to do it, but we don't have the infrastructure to produce it. You know what I mean? So they can, we don't yes. have factories that are making mass constantly 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 selling them and distributing them we don't have this going on we are dependent upon other countries to provide us the resources that we have here in order to survive we're kind of like you know the retail uh we're retail uh giants if you will we buy we don't produce you know we're consumers not producers we make cars and so forth but you know we're not making the things that we need in order, really, I believe, and, and don't have the capability expeditiously to retool our factories to do the things that need to be done in times of national emergencies. This should be a wake-up call for everyone that just maybe, I'm not saying that we aren't, instead of saying we're the first world nation, we need to look at it and say how we dropped from one to two or from two to three. See, because we're looking as if we have a really big problem and, we're, and we can't figure it out because of a little bickering here and there. But it's obvious that this is an emergency. And when there's an emergency, call 911, 
right? Call 911 and you expect the people who are in charge of the welfare and well-being of the nation of people to make those calls expeditiously. That means right now, without delay. And that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So we're left with, there was plenty of time. We have a, a, a good structure within our system that was been developed over many years, in many, many years. Some of these things are in place, but the key uh, factor in all of this, you have to be willing to listen. You have to be willing to follow the path of the information and where it's coming from and what's happening. You know, and you have to have friends too in order to be able, if something does happen, they can warn you or tell you what it is that they did instead of trying to figure it out and what we're going to do. You know, we're a little bit of Hollywood-ish and reality show in our day-to-day doings. And it's, it's showing, it's showing right now that we need to focus and concentrate on something more concrete, you know, to protect ourselves from these types of uh, calamities or tragedies. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, that's all right on in my book. Um, all right, so we're getting down to it. Let me uh, let me switch gears on you. Now, of course, this is a podcast called Art and Life, right. and it's about creativity. Um, and we've extracted a lot of creativity in a in a in a pragmatic, right. like a, a nuts and bolts way from you. What what would let's switch it over to the the creative art world and just like I want to see what your perspective is on this. Like, what what would your definition of art be? And you can say it in terms of military. Or you know, whatever you want. Art, I could, I like music. You know, I grew up playing an instrument. I played the trombone uh, for many years, concert music. So uh, that's something that's very, very artsy to me. And also to, you know, you turn me on to, to your art. You know, I always liked art. I'm not much of a, a painter or th- anything like that, but. You know, those things are beautiful because nature to me is art. That is the most beautiful piece of art, nature. You know, the universal God's creation, the trees, the birds, you know, everything, the clouds in the air, you know, now that's art. Every day, something new. So uh, it just, nature to me is just ever changing ever new, ever refreshing, you know, uh, that is one beautiful piece of art because you can go from one place to the next and see something beautiful as you're riding down the coast or go up in the mountains, you know, and see the snow and hang out there and see other different types of animals or wildlife. So that's art to me, you know, where we live and how we live amongst one another, you know, observing nature. I love that. And I feel like if you look at like painting, for example, or like a symphony throughout time, like painting art throughout time, like so much of it is just trying to express the beauty that so many people have seen in nature. Uh, Like we're all just like in awe of all the different parts of it. And art, like a painting is like our little meager attempt at showing the complexity and the grandness and the beauty and the the amazement that we we see in it but look how beautiful it is in a person the person who who wants to do this who does it and can bring out so much in someone else's eyes or their mind that's very special you know to to create something artistically that someone loves and puts it on display just like nature is on display every day, you know, and the beauty of it is displayed every day to everybody who wants to be part of it. But to be able to 
look at nature and look at what's the surroundings going on and have a put it on canvas or put it on video or put it on a, a camera, just the images or the angles, you know, that are available through the eyes of man and woman is magnificent. Now that's art to be given these tools. Mm -hmm. Some have them, some don't, some do, you know, but you can develop these uh, artsy talents if you put enough time into it, but it's just beautiful just being a human being. That is a work of art. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. um, Striker One, I want to say that, I mean, from the first moment I met you, you and I had a conversation about the bees buzzing around a tree that was in full bloom and talking about the wonder and amazement of that. And, and I feel like every conversation that you and I have ever had has like, it's been operating on multiple levels at the same time. And, and you always have this, like this very interesting and unique perspective on, on the day or the times that we're in. And um, I just really, I very much appreciate you and your perspective. And I always love running into you and, and talking with you and hearing, hearing what you have to say about things so i just uh, i, I want to say you're awesome you are I, awesome I very too, much appreciate, I appreciate you. you you too because you know uh being a leader is a lonely place so when you when you get in that place it's not bad but it's a lonely place you get an opportunity to spend time with self and spend time with that great spirit you know to ask questions, you know, and uh, you develop a sense of all your surroundings. You remember I was just telling you about that, those other senses that you develop? You see things differently. You know what you see and you know what you're looking at. Some people don't know the difference between those two. There's a difference between the two. So it's just like your artsy eye that you have in order to paint. You know what you see and you know what you're looking at, you know, and when you can put that on canvas and someone else can see that particular image, isn't it beautiful? Isn't it exciting? Does it make you feel mm -hmm. good? Like you really connected with someone. So that's the thing about being a leader and reflecting on certain things and, and meeting people and sharing and have these well-traveled or, you know, going places you learn but you have to immerse yourself in the different cultures, the food and so forth in order to get a feel for it. You know, it's just like you and the soccer ball becoming one, like me and the basketball becoming one, me, you and the team becoming one. Cause it's all about is one team together, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, this has been fantastic. And, you know, just like all these other podcast interviews that I've had, it's like, they're all, they're all so beautiful, like what comes out and then what gets recorded. And it's exactly like these moments and interactions with people is what I want to record and share with other people. And this has definitely been exactly that so um striker one thank you for being on the podcast thank and sharing you your perspective with everybody striker one out all right my friends that was striker one signing off uh, i hope that you got a lot out of that i definitely did our conversations recently have been uh, particularly eye-opening and interesting. And um, he's always had this really great perspective that I've connected with. And I mean, I, I mentioned it that the first conversation we had was um, looking at bees in a tree. And uh, yeah, he was just standing there looking at 
this tree that was just buzzing with bees uh, around all these flowers and then talking about how the profound nature that these tiny little beings have such a global impact on everything and everybody and we don't even realize it and and that perspective alone right there from a person who has served in the military for 40 years or been connected to the military for 40 years uh really was it kind of hit me sideways and you don't always connect those sorts of like environmental perspectives with like a military mindset but I think what it does is it really shows that it shows the full circle of everything that that we are all very connected in ways that we don't realize and when you talk to somebody who has the bigger picture and and sees like his job was analyzation um of of all the different systems that interconnect and intermingle and and the environment is like that and we are part of the environment and so it's just really it's it's really powerful to me and and maybe you don't agree with me and that's okay um you know maybe you see it more isolated and and maybe that's maybe that's a way that that we can and should be looking at it but i'll need to be persuaded of that um feel free to reach out and talk to me about any of these things i'm i'm ha- I'm, I'm all ears i'm i'm open to to different ideas and perspectives and i think that everybody should be like let's have a dialogue about the world that we live in and the way that things work um and that's that's part of what this podcast is all about so anyway i i hope that you're enjoying this i hope that whatever you're doing um i hope that this is adding to the creative fire within you um that's the whole point of it for me and to showcase that creative essence that that connects everybody we've all got it we just we just do it in different ways so thanks again for listening uh please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen on and uh definitely leave a review if you if you'd be so inclined it all helps get uh more traction wherever you're listening so thanks again uh health and happiness to all of you and your loved ones and everybody um i just hope that we can get through all this um in as best shape as we possibly can so Cheers.